What we're gonna do right here is go back. Way back, back into time. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode from the WW Radio Archives. I am Lou Mangello, and this is show number 729. And each week, I'm gonna select an evergreen episode to share with you that maybe you haven't heard before, or one that you haven't heard in a long time. From interviews to top tens, relevant reviews, guides, wayback machines, and more, it's a great way to visit or revisit some of our favorite episodes, including ones that you've suggested I share from the archives. And this week, we go back in time, not just on the show to 2008 and episode number 91, but way back to a time before Walt Disney World had even opened. We'll metaphorically trek through the Florida swamps as we take a close look at a Walt Disney World we never knew by exploring the lost resorts of the Magic Kingdom. The exotic Asian, Persian, and Venetian resorts would have been built along the shores of the Seven Seas, hence its name, Lagoon, as part of Phase 1, and we'll take a fun look back at what was supposed to be, and might have been, with a little wondering and wishing as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts about these lost resorts, what might have been, what could be coming in the future in the WW Radio Clubhouse. Come be part of the community and conversation at www.radio.com slash clubhouse or call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1 and share your story and comments on the show. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode from the archives on the WW Radio Show. In this week's trip aboard my Walt Disney World Wayback Machine, we're going to travel back to Walt Disney World's very early history, not to look at a show or an attraction or even a restaurant, although if we had time to, I'd love to stop by the Adventureland Veranda and check out JP and the Silver Stars. But instead, we're going to journey back into a time even before Walt Disney World had officially opened to the public. And we're going to sort of set up our explorer's camp on the shores of what's going to be the Seven Seas Lagoon. And we're going to take a look at the lost resorts of the Magic Kingdom. Because believe it or not, the views from the Magic Kingdom across the lake in 2008 look very, very different from what they could have or should have looked like in the mid-70s across the lake to the shores on the opposite side. So to journey with me aboard the Wayback Machine is a new traveler, and his name is Craig Wheeler. He's a fellow Disney fan. I guess it's safe to say actually a Disney geek, uh, very much into the history like I am. We had a chance to email back and forth a number of times and finally got a chance to meet over at Magic Meet. And I knew right away that we were kindred spirits because he brought me a copy of his Disney World magazine from July 1967. I resisted the urge to hug him, but Craig, I want to welcome you to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Lou. It's great to be here. <laughs> great to have you here, too. And uh, this is this is a topic I've been wanting to cover on the show for um, a, a long, long time. And you actually had posted about it on your blog, which was earning it's earningmyears.com. But before we sort of head back in time. Um, let, let's kind of just take a look around at what we have first so we can sort of compare and contrast. Obviously, we have on the Seven Seas Lagoon, we have the Polynesian, we've got the Grand Floridian over on Bay Lake, we have the Contemporary Resort, all of which are on the monorail line. But 
really when they were planning Walt Disney World, even before sort of construction began, things were set to look very, very different. Um, you know, it opened with the Poly, it opened with the Contemporary, but there were plans going way, way back for additional hotels on the lake, and I don't mean the Grand Floridian. That's right, Lou. And actually, as we look at some of the old stuff, this whole idea of the theme resort, I think, was kind of new to people, and Disney really set out with a lot of their press materials of explaining what exactly they meant with that theme hotel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they really introduced this concept. I mean, everything that sort of introduced when they came to Central Florida was very new to a lot of people. And you're right, because I think people weren't used to having a resort around a theme, except maybe, you know, in, in old Las Vegas, would maybe the only thing that I can think of. Uh, but you're right, in a lot of the uh, press materials that they released, they had to almost sort of explain what it is. And, the, and I know uh, on your site you had some of, the, some of the terms that they used to sort of explain to people what these themed resorts were going to be. Right, yeah, they were talking, the, the whole concept, it was around the theme and it was to complement the park. And they were explaining, you know, this was the whole package. It was the design, the recreation, um, entertainment, the costumes on the employees, and even your favorite little food. <laughs> My reputation precedes me, I can say. <laughs> but yeah, and they, you know, as Disney always did, they enlisted the help of others who had sort of done similar things before. Um, they enlisted the help of Welton Beckett, and you may know that name because they helped do a lot of work for the 1964-65 World's Fair. I think they designed, designed actually a lot of the show buildings for the World's Fair with Disney back then. That's right. Um Wed was there designing a lot of the theme and then really did tap into Wilton and Beckett's expertise in the architecture end of things. Right, and, and they knew very early on, Craig, they knew that they were going to be building uh, additional resorts. They had seen, I mean, the Contemporary and the Polynesian were designed to handle the Magic Kingdom crowds. They were very much filled to capacity um, very, very early on. And the grand plan was to sort of build things in phases, and it wasn't just to add a single additional hotel like the Grand Floridian, they had in fact planned on building a total of five different themed resorts um, over the next, you know, maybe five to seven years on both Bay Lake and the Seven Seas Lagoon. That was right. They kind of planned the whole thing in phases, and this really was phase one, was the Magic Kingdom and then all of these supporting resorts and other facilities. And um, and really the message was, we've got these two. We've, we've got our flagship contemporary, the Polynesian, and then we've got three more that we're going to keep in our back pocket that we can build as the, as the demand builds for our theme parks. Right. And don't be confused. We're not talking about the Fort Wilderness Campgrounds, which opened you know, at the same time as well as right. being one of those other. I mean, we're talking about a full-blown resort hotel destination. And, you know, we can start talking about them individually, but they were actually going to be three very distinctly themed hotels. It was going to be an Asian, a Persian and a Venetian and I think let's, let's really start off with the Asian um, hotel because it's probably appropriate because it was going to be the first one to have opened as part of this, this grand plan. That's right. I think actually the design went the farthest in this. And I believe even in the 1972 annual report, it even got mentioned that they were getting ready to start formal planning and designing on it. Yeah, and they had actually done site prep work um, for it as well. Um, and you, could, you were actually able to see it in late 1971. You can see that the construction team had done a lot of work specifically for this resort. And you're right. In the uh, very early annual reports, they had talked about the fact that the Contemporary and the Polynesian, they were at 100% capacity, and they were going to build this third 500-room 
Asian-themed hotel. And the interesting thing about it, too, is where it was placed, because it actually sits where the Grand Floridian sits today. That's right. There was aerial pictures of the time are great to see, and, and you can even see it from the monorail at the time as you drove over it. There was basically just a square jutting out into the Seven Seas Lagoon that they had prepped out that was to be the future side of the hotel. Yeah, if you look at some of those overhead pictures, and we'll put some links up both to your site and some other sites where you can take a look at some of the uh, some of the early concept art, you'll see that there was this large square piece of land that sort of juts out right into the Seven Seas Lagoon. And it was like that for a long, long time, maybe about 15 years, because I remember as a kid uh, going by and seeing it and, and kind of wondering what was going to end up being there. That's right. When they dug out Seven Seas Lagoon, I mean, that was there from the beginning. So from the time the Magic Kingdom was even being constructed, you had that square of land that was sitting there, and, and nothing was ever done with it until the Grand Floridian was built on it, um, opening 1988. Right, and, and the location is important for a couple of reasons, one of which is, much like we talk about the Polynesian and the contemporary sort of tying into where they are geographically, so the contemporary tying into the future theme of Tomorrowland, the Polynesian tying into the, uh, the adventurous theme of Adventureland, this was specifically meant to be also, again, sort of a, a backdrop to Adventureland with a very, not a Polynesian theme, but really more of uh, a much more sort of Asian flair to it, obviously. That's right, and, and I, I would expect it might be even visible from the park a little bit as you see the contemporary is. Um, the, the main structure of the hotel was to be a 160-foot tower building that would have housed you know, shops and, and nightlife, restaurants. Um, sounds like they would have had something along, something on the top that would have been along the top of the world show at the contemporary. So I mean, it really was, these, these were designed to actually fit in as pieces of the, of the theme park. Exactly, and that's one of the things that really intrigued me about this was the size of this center tower building. I love the idea of having that uh, uh, entertainment venue on top, like you said, like the top of the world over the contemporary was. But they had also planned for uh, convention area space, which, if I understand Craig correctly, they wanted to keep it very separate from the guest areas. So it sounded like it would be like the first few floors would be the convention area, almost like the same way that the Magic Kingdom is built sort of on the second floor. The resort rooms and, and the area that guests would see uh, who weren't going for the convention would be above that convention space. There would also be um, a lot of space for recreation areas, but trying to keep the convention area separate from the resort area. There was a lot of planning for convention space among all these hotels. I think they were all supposed to have some level of convention space. And Disney, I think, expected to kind of draw on that during the off-seasons. They, they planned to have this, these large convention facilities. They would all be linked together with closed-circuit television. Um, and, and they really did plan to only schedule conferences during certain times of the year. And I really think that was their business plan up front to try to draw some traffic down during the slower times of the year. Yeah, and it also definitely seems from the pictures and the descriptions that it was going to be a very high-end resort. Um, very beautiful in theme. A lot of... Uh, drawing from Thai culture and Thai architecture, the theming of the decor, of course, obviously the restaurants. I'm disappointed that never <laughs> came to be. Um, but it, it seemed like it was much more opulent, I guess is the word, as opposed to maybe what we have with the Polynesian now. Right. There was so scheduled to be 600 rooms, and they were saying 50 of them would be sweets, and the, the description reads, in royal Thai decor. So I really think they were trying to go fancy, in this hotel, I mean, if you look through the, some of the concept art that was released, you really do see a lot more of 
pictures in this one of the dining establishment and of the grand lobby and things like that that we didn't get so much with the Persian or the Venetian. Right. So at this point, people are saying, okay, it sounds good. They were well on their way to building this. There were models that were constructed. There were plans. The designs went back early on. Why did this never happen? Why did this never take place? And I think that really comes back, um, all three of them. And um, Disney hit a roadblock in, in the early 70s, shortly after after the, the whole Walt Disney World opened. And, and it was largely an energy crisis, an oil embargo in 1973, followed by a stock market crash. And really, Disney saw this, and, and the whole thing was going to hit tourism. And so they just really couldn't afford for any of these hotels to really come out of the gate. Exactly. And that actually goes for the second hotel on the list. And that was the Venetian, because this, too, was also supposed to be one that would have been open and operational, hopefully on or about October 1st. And the location of the Venetian would have been, if you can picture this, between where the Transportation Ticket Center currently sits and the water bridge that's in between Bay Lake and the Lagoon. So sort of, if you could picture it, in between the Polynesian Transportation Ticket Center and where the Contemporary currently sits. Right, just to the west of where Wilderness Lodge stands today. Exactly. And this one, again, a beautiful resort themed after, obviously, as its name implies, Venice, Italy. Right. And they were looking at St. Mark's Square. And so they were planning, you know, think of how we see today at the Italy Pavilion in Epcot, where you've got the Campanile and, you know, you've got just these, these great buildings. But the great thing about it was there actually were supposed to be canals and waterways with gondola rides and, and bridges going over them. You know, you could take your gondola ride down and do your shopping. And, um, I mean, it really just looked like it would have been a great experience. Yeah, there was a, uh, the lobby would have been topped with glass. It would have had a, a beautiful sunlit atrium. Uh, but like you said, the, the real sort of draw would have been this city of canals. And if you've ever been to the Venetian in Las Vegas, uh, appropriately enough, that's exactly sort of what they have. They have a canal going through it, it through the this shopping mall, basically. So the resort actually was supposed to have a small harbor enclosed in it. And so then that actually is what would have led to your, you know, gondolas down the streets of water and the footbridges and everything. Um, I think this would have been a great place to rent a boat. I mean, can you imagine if they would have had the harbor right there and you foot uh, steps from your door, you would have had the boat there. You could have gone out and, and hit those out onto the lake. Yeah, and, and you actually have on your site, you've got a scan of not just one of the postcards, but one of the actual models. And it, it really looked like, and again, to a, a much, much smaller degree, what you see over in World Showcase. But it, it's also, it was going to be huge. You're looking at another 500 rooms that they would have had basically on the monorail line. That's right. And actually, um, it's interesting looking through some of the concept art and stuff of this, because um, the model you refer to actually had two campanils as opposed to one that you would hear in the descriptions or see on the postcard. And then some of the various uh, pictures and renderings you would see of the entire property, some had the monorail actually going to the Venetian. And I actually found one where the Venetian wasn't on the monorail line. Interesting. Now, something else that's interesting about this resort, too, obviously you're talking about the early oil embargoes of, of 73, whatever it is. This was allegedly a, vi a victim because of that. But this idea of putting a resort here didn't die, and we'll... we'll I want to touch on maybe the, the fourth of the, the resorts that wasn't built and, and not one of the original three because they had the idea, Eisner actually had the idea in the early 90s of, yes, it's time to add 
another resort to this area. We need the rooms. Uh, the economy is doing better. But we're going to abandon the idea of going with the Venetian, and instead we're going to go with a Mediterranean-themed resort. And that would have opened up in the late 90s, uh, themed after sort of like a, a small Greek island, a Greek village. Again, this was going to be their flagship resort. This was going to be the new five-star resort that they wanted to build. That's right, but this one kind of went under for a different reason, as you alluded to. Um, the land where they wanted to put this wasn't suitable for building. They, they did soil samples, and they, they tried to put up some test structures, and, and everything just kind of went into the ground. It wasn't stable at all. Yeah, supposedly they just sank, and they just don't know how far down they actually went down. Um, and because the, the land is just so swampy and so boggy, there's just no, there was just no way to sort of solidify it to even, you know, forget about putting up a structure in a hotel. They couldn't even get the pilings to stay up. Mm-hmm. So until, they, uh, until they're able to sort of maybe, if they can ever get around that, that construction thing, we may never see anything in that section of the Seven Seas Lagoon. That's right. But thematically, I mean, if you look, you've got everything right there in the Wilderness Lodge right behind it. I, I can't imagine they would even consider putting something there anymore. Of course, then again, they were able to sort of get around it, I, I, adding the extra rooms in, in a roundabout way by knocking down the North Garden Wing and building the new Bay Lake Tower, um, which is obviously, we all know, next to the contemporary and going to be incredibly popular. I have a, a, a sneaking suspicion. That's right. I'm trying to work that one in the budget. <laughs> I think a lot of people are trying to work that in the budget. It's, uh, it's made discussions of, hey, should we buy DVC? Uh, I think come up a little bit more around the dinner table for a lot of families. So, But uh, we're going to save, we, we saved the last of the, the three resorts um, because of its location, really. And this was the Persian Resort. And unlike the others that were on the Seven Seas Lagoon, this one was actually going to be over on Bay Lake. It would have been on the northwest corner, um, a little bit away from where the contemporary stands today. So this one looks really interesting, actually, because you really do have that, that great Persian feel that you think of. You've got the big domes and, and the mosques and columns, and um, actually, again, a lot of water was planned into this one. Um, some of the press materials said that guests will practically be able to sail to their rooms through a sheltered marina. Yeah, and if you look at the model, and again, you have a great scan of this, and I'm obviously going to link to it uh, from this week's show notes on your site. It's a, I, I really, really like the theming of this resort. And uh, you know, like you said, they talk about these, the, like I said, the mosques and the columns and the courtyards. And I don't know what an old Persian dining facility is, but it sounds intriguing nonetheless. <laughs> and this is yet again another big one, another 500. All of these resorts would have, would have been very large in terms of number of rooms. And this one, I think, though, would have been great just for its seclusion. It would have had its own monorail path going out to it, and it would have had its little spot out on Bay Lake, and, and the only things you really would have been able to see would have been the Contemporary and Discovery Island. Exactly, and you made a you made a point that's very important to talk about, which was this was going to alter the monorail line because it would have actually changed the route. So now instead of kind of going from the Contemporary to the Magic Kingdom, it would have actually I think the original plans, Craig, had actually had it going from the Persian into Tomorrowland, much like uh, the monorail actually goes into the theme park in Disneyland, it would have stopped in Tomorrowland and then sort of gone back around maybe to the front of the Magic Kingdom and then over to where, at the time, the Asian Resort would have been. That's right, and 
and I do wonder if that would have actually come to be if they would have built that hotel because you talk about the great show, um, the movie style as you're as you're approaching the Magic Kingdom of coming across the lagoon and seeing the long shot of the castle and the curtain rising as you come under under the train station. And I think you would have lost that effect if you would have come straight in through Tomorrowland. True. Yeah, true. It's kind of hard. It would be very hard to hide that giant blue domed building that sort of served as the center building um, for the entrance area and the meeting facilities and the restaurants and, and some of the other entertainment offerings that they had because it was, like you said, surrounded by these smaller wings sort of off to each of the sides. But um, it, it's it's very, this would have been one of the ones I think I would have been most intrigued to see built, possibly because it would have also added another stop um, on the monorail route. But there, there's also one, too, Craig, that doesn't necessarily... F- fit in with these original three slash four because of the Mediterranean. But there was at one point a mention of another hotel that was supposedly going to be built um, along by, by the west of River Country, themed as a Western hotel. This was according to, actually Dick Nunes talked about this back in 1982, and that was Cypress Point. That's right. And um, we didn't get Cypress Point, but we did get something very similar and kind of along those same things. And that was the Wilderness Lodge that came up later. Yeah, exactly. This would have been called Cypress Point Lodge. It would have been themed after specifically Yellowstone. Uh, and, and we do, like you said, we, we kind of have this with Wilderness Lodge. Um, and it's interesting just because they were thinking about this and planning this so far back. Um, and obviously the location would have been a little bit different than where it is today. Right, but I think they, they hit it on the head, I mean, with with that type of theming and in kind of this rustic American, very different from anything else they had or anything else they had planned. And I, I think it really did um, serve to be a great idea from the start, and I'm glad to see that one came along. Yeah, you know, kind of like their last idea is the one, you know, that, that they ended up going with as opposed to sort of resurrecting some of the older ideas for the Asian or the Persian or the Venetian. So, uh, and maybe that's, you know, a, a topic to talk about. You know, we lost those three, or I guess you could say four, different resorts. Is there any one of those that to you, you would have liked to see built or you just, maybe you think wouldn't have worked? The one I think I would have most liked to have seen would have been the Asian. Um, I think the Thai style just really would have been great with its elegance. And um, I am, yeah, as we get back, and I'm sure we're going to talk about food here a little bit, um, <laughs> the restaurants that would have shown up there, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Thai food and, and Asian cuisine. And so just seeing all the concept art for this and um, seeing their plans for the rooms and the layout and um, just experiencing, I'm sure, the great restaurants that would have been there would have been fantastic. Although I must say that the location of the Persian would have been great. Okay, good. So I don't feel bad giving you the, the lawyer answer that I was going to give you because, like you, I, I would love to have seen an, an Asian-themed resort, and I also love the Thai culture and the Thai food. I think it could have been a very, very beautiful resort with what they could have brought in. Just picture, you know, all the different elements um, that they can bring in. Think of what some of the things that you see over in Asia in Animal Kingdom and other Asian elements from World Showcase. By the same token, I agree with you. The location of the Persian Resort was also very intriguing to me. And because it was something so far off the beaten path, not just in location, but in theming too, um, there's something about that culture that's very mysterious, especially to us who you know have very little connection or ties to it. Um, so it might have been a, a, a nice cultural introduction for us. That being said, the location of the Venetian Resort 
also being on the Seven Seas Lagoon, being able to look out from a lot of those rooms onto the water, being able to see the fireworks, being able to see the castle in the distance, uh, obviously I think would have been something that would have appealed to people a lot. And I have to tell you that over time I have heard rumor after rumor uh, about the concept of a Mediterranean resort not being quite dead, um, it, not being built in the same location, being built elsewhere on property, using similar concepts but a very different design. Uh, that's something I might be very intrigued to see. A Mediterranean-themed resort kind of tying into all the other themed, themed resorts on property might be a nice addition to the mix. I think it would, too, yes. The, the thing, too, about the Persian is it would have been nice had it come when it was proposed because, you know, given political climate, I don't even know if we could have a chance to see anything like that today. So if that were sitting there, it would it would definitely be a great treat. True. A, a really good point. Really good point. Um, and it's interesting, too, that obviously all of these would have been, it seems like very high end. They would have been, you know, three additional deluxe resorts on property. They, they, they don't seem to have been, I mean, they didn't really have the categories back then, but they obviously wouldn't be Certainly not value, and obviously probably not a moderate resort either. Absolutely. And I should mention, too, that although we talked about the oil crisis impacting the hotel construction sort of on that level, we should note, too, that the campground did open after the Magic Kingdom opened, and in 1973, the Golf Resort Hotel also opened. But that was very small, only about 153 or so rooms aimed at a very, very specific target market. But obviously nothing was built along the size or along the lines as these the original three hotels, the additional three hotels were supposed to be. So, and I think today, you know, as you talk about a Mediterranean themed resort, I think that would fit right back in that category, another deluxe resort, and I think it'd be one that would draw a big crowd. Very true. And, you know, also with, with DVC being so popular, especially in this location, it might be another offering for a part of the resort to even be DVC accommodation as well, having... Uh, you know, DVC villas as part of like one of these ancillary wings or um, section of rooms that they can allot for it. So I'd be very curious to hear uh, what the listeners think based on what they've heard. Again, pictures that we'll, we'll link them up to on the site. Take a look at those. Uh, see what they think they would have liked to have seen been built or see something that they would like to see be built in the future. Which one of these themes might be something that would appeal to them as, as a guest at, on property to see in the future. Very different, very interesting, very different landscape that we, we would have seen today than what we currently have. So that's going to do it for this trip aboard the Wayback Machine. Craig Wheeler, I appreciate you taking a trip back with me. I'm going to link over to your site. That is earningmyears.com. Uh, again, I really appreciate you, uh, you taking this little trip and look at some of these lost resorts in the Magic Kingdom. Thanks, Lou. This has been a great journey. 